book Genesis 29, actually. Genesis 29. I, I did say 31. But it also shows how little you guys pay attention because no one stopped and thought. We didn't finish up 29 or 30. Excuses won't get you into heaven, Tina. (laughs) Genesis 29. Now, just to reintroduce this chapter, if you weren't with us last week or the week before, I, I think I can honestly say, and this is a pretty big statement, this may be the biggest soap opera chapter in the entire Bible. It really honestly may. If you look at your sheet that you got... Is this not soap opera? Twelve sons through four different women, and this is the birth order. So it went Leah, 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 Billa, Billa, Zilpa, Zilpa, Leah, Leah, Rachel, Rachel. So this is one man's family. This is not including the daughters. These are the sons. And this is spread out over a time frame here of a couple decades. And what a mess this is. If you weren't with us last week, what got us into this mess is Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. So he made a deal with Rachel. Rachel is his cousin. Made a deal with Rachel's dad, Laban, his uncle. And basically said, I'll work for you for seven years, and then I get Rachel. So that was the deal. Rachel was the younger sister. Leah was the older. So what happened is it came to his wedding night, and so what happened is dad gave him Leah and not Rachel. Now, it was dark. Usually the gal was veiled. Okay. But if you really stop and analyze this, Everybody's wrong, except for Jacob. Finally, for once, Jacob wasn't wrong. Because you know what? Laban lied about it. He said he was giving Rachel, and he really gave Leah. Leah had to be in on the lie, too. Because she knew for seven years that Jacob was working for his sister. And you know what? Rachel is mysteriously silent on this as well, too. Everybody was in on the deceit. Does that mean that Rachel wanted it to happen? I don't think so. I think she was probably told by Dad, this is what we're doing. I think Leah was probably very happy because she got the husband. And Laban was happy because he gets 14 years of servitude out of this guy. So what happens, though, now is now you have Jacob, who is married to Leah, but he really wanted to be married to Rachel. So now he's married to Leah and Rachel. And there are these two maidservants, Billa and Zilpah, that are kind of thrown in there as well, too. Rachel has one, Leah has one. So you have Leah, who is really unloved by Jacob. Rachel, who is the chosen wife that he really likes, but he's married to both. And you have these other two maidservants. And what you have here today, or I should say tonight, is just the soap opera of how these kids come. Now, this is the only place in the Bible, as far as I can tell, where the actual kids are mentioned in birth order. From this point forward, and every time it's mentioned in the Bible, they're always mentioned in a different order because of different spiritual purposes. So starting at the top, Reuben is the oldest, Benjamin is the youngest, and this is the order in which they were married, uh, excuse me, which they were born. Every one of them, their name means something. That's why we put their names down. So with this being said, let's jump into this. We have some spiritual points as we go through this. And what we left off last week was verse 30. Jacob also went into Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. So we're talking here, 14 years, he gets Leah, he gets Rachel, he gets Zilpah, he gets Billa. Verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And this is where we stopped off last week, and we talked about Leah. Poor Leah. Unwanted, unloved, no one cared about her. And we basically talked about how sometimes we're the Leah, that, that you're in this relationship where... You're unloved. I mean, and it's not this subtle unloved. It's very forceful unloved. And Leah is struggling with this. 
She's not wanted by her husband in any way whatsoever, but she is still in this relationship. So what does she do? Verse 32. Verse 31. So when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now, we'll stop real quick, and I don't want to get too obviously crass on this. This is something I find interesting and not in a good way. Jacob, who very clearly likes Rachel more than Leah, still was using Leah physically. So here she is, unloved, unwanted, but being used. So what happens? Verse 32, Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked at my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Reuben's name means behold a son. You know how many times I've met with gals, and the relationship is falling apart, and they honestly believe that having a child will draw this relationship stronger together. Boy, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't in any way whatsoever. What makes a relationship strong and brings it together is the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what brings it together. And what happened here is Leah is thinking, I have given Jacob a boy, the firstborn. He's going to love me now. People still have that same mindset thousands of years later. He has to stay with me. We have a child together. It doesn't work that way. What keeps you together is the foundation of Christ. Verse 33, she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son. And she called his name Simeon. Now, we don't want to overanalyze this, but it seems like Leah went from really optimistic with Reuben. I got a boy. Jacob's going to like me. To now maybe a little bit, well, God sees I'm struggling here, so he gave me another son. He heard me. That's what Simeon's name means, heard. Verse 34, she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. Levi, joined to. Now she's thinking, he has to be with me. And if you're keeping score, she's got three points. Rachel, the beloved wife. Now, if we're looking at time frames here, three kids into marriage, obviously we can do some math, or at least a three, four, five years into this relationship. Once again, not trying to be crass, there's no reason to think that Jacob is also not necessarily being physical with his wife, Rachel. She's not having any kids. Leah, who is unloved and unwanted, she keeps having children. She keeps thinking it's going to build this magical relationship, and it doesn't. Quick side note, Levi becomes the Levites servants in the temple. What happens now? Verse 35, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now, I find this interesting. We can't say for sure. I'm just going to throw out my two cents. When I teach Genesis 29 again, years down the road, I may change my opinion on this. Don't take this as spiritual fact. I think something may have happened with Leah in verse 35, where she stopped and said, you know what matters? The Lord. Maybe she reached a point for a moment where she stopped and said, I don't have to keep doing this for Jacob's attention. Maybe she reached a moment where she stopped and said, it's praise. Lord, I realize it's all about you. Now, was it a lasting moment? I don't know because we're going to see some pretty big soap opera drama coming up here in a little bit. But in my flesh, I want to stop for a moment and think, boy, Leah, maybe did you stop and realize it's not about the man, Jacob. It's about the Lord. Judah's name means praised or praise. And so therefore she just stops and says, I just want to praise the Lord for these four boys. If you're keeping score at home, it's four to nothing. Leah's ahead of Rachel. Now, 
this is where it starts getting interesting. But before we get into the more soap opera dramas, anybody have any quick questions, comments here about just refreshing us, how we got to this point of Jacob having Leah, Rachel, Billa, and Zilpah, Leah being unloved, but yet God blessing Leah because of that. Anything here before we move on? Okay, let's see what happens. Verse 1. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here is my maid, Bilna. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, that I also may have children by her. So she gave Bilah her maid as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged my case. He has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Dan, that means a judge. Look at this. This is just getting crazy. Rachel is upset at Jacob because he's not giving her a child. Jacob says, this isn't my fault. And once again, I'm not trying to be something here. Obviously, things are working with Leah. So it's not my fault. This is between you and the Lord. So what does Rachel do instead of stopping and saying, Lord, open the womb. Lord, hear my cry. Lord, do this. No, Rachel takes matters into her own hands and says, here's my maidservant. Have a child. And since the child came from her... It will kind of be like coming from me. Now, what can we learn here from Rachel? We can learn that it never does any good to speed up the process of God. It never does. But still, after walking with the Lord for decades, we still have this mindset that I can make this go quicker, make this go better. I can make this person come to know Jesus sooner. I can make my marriage get healed faster. No, it's the Lord moving in individual hearts at their time. Rachel got a kid through her maidservant, but it wasn't hers. This wasn't what the Lord wanted in the whole scheme of things. And so she determined this a victory. His name is Dan. God judged me. The score is now four to one. I got a point. I'm on the board. It's not a shutout. This is just getting crazy, and it keeps getting worse. Verse 7, Rachel's maid Billah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed, and I shall call his name Naphtali. So now, she says, I got two. His name is wrestling. Look at this. This isn't even anything about kids or Jacob. This is now I'm wrestling with Leah for the attention now, we could go down the ro- road here and we can start talking about desiring the man rather than the Lord, etc. Really what it comes down to is this. What is your priorities in life? If you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things are added unto you. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, the more I love I have for Dawn, the more love I have for my boys. But to be quite honest, the more love I have just to want to serve the Lord. Because that's what matters more than anything. Right now, Rachel's not concerned with any spiritual matters. It's Leah versus her. So now we're at least six kids into this. So now we're probably a decade maybe into this relationship. And what an absolute mess this is. Rachel is envious and jealous and angry at Leah. Leah feels unloved because she wasn't the chosen one. Now Bella is just kind of thrown into this mix and just basically, hey, go sleep with Jacob because I need kids. So now Jacob is involved with these three women And none of them seem to be too upset at it because they're so busy arguing and bickering with each other. Here's the point I just want to stop and make for a second. Sometimes families are so involved in drama, they don't even realize how screwed up they are. Because they think that's normal. I remember distinctly one time, 
this is probably 15 years ago, doing counseling with a family. And, you know, and I don't even know for sure how they're doing at this time. But we sat down with the husband and wife. And as we were at their house and we're talking to them, their kids were around. And it was chaos. Utter chaos. Kids crawling on tables, kids crawling on chairs, jumping off chairs, throwing things, hitting things. And, and I'm trying to have this conversation with the husband and wife on marriage and role in marriage, etc. And it's just this complete, utter chaos around. And they're talking about the stress they have in life and the problems they have with each other. And I stopped the counseling at this time. And, it's, and I'm not kidding. The kid was leaping off the couch at another child. I stopped and said, do you think possibly that maybe this affects you guys more than what you think? They stopped and looked at me and they said, no. And they went right back on. They thought that was normal. I do counseling with couples and their communication skills are basically screaming at really loud voices with really colorful words mixed in. Do you really think that's the way you're supposed to communicate? That's what they're used to. They just think that's normal. It's normal for couples to scream at each other. It's normal for couples to basically just say, I can't stand you anymore, leave. And then two days later, we're back together. And then two days later, we're leaving. They think that that's normal. And they don't stop and realize God's system that he has laid out in the Bible actually works. Because they're so used to doing it their way. And to be quite honest, let's just make a comment here. Sometimes the people they associate them with, that's the way they live their lives. So it's not uncommon for them because that's what everybody around them is doing. I look at right here of Leah, Rachel, now Billa. Did anybody ever stop and say, you realize you're sharing your husband now with, there's three of you, right? Well, I got to get more kids than Leah. Do you, do you not think it's weird that you're giving your maidservant to your husband to have kids? Well, I got to get kids somehow. And this all becomes his justification. This is a system that is not God-ordained in any way whatsoever. And there's been some people that in an error have stopped and said, well, the patriarchs in Genesis had more than one wife, and it was a bad system that did not work. A bad system. This is not God-ordained in any way whatsoever. You may say, well, the Lord blessed this and used this. The Bible also says that God will use our enemies as a footstool. If he chooses to use this... To further Israel, that's fine. But this was not God's ordained system. If God wanted to, he could have had numerous kids from Jacob any other way. This is a system that they use their flesh with. And God says, if you're going to go the round of the flesh, I'll still bring good out of it. But this is not his system. Look how worse it gets here. Alrighty. It says in verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing children, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And then Leah called... Bore Jacob's son, and Leah said, a troop comes. So she called his name Gad, a troop. Basically, she's saying, I got a bunch. We're keeping score. It's now five to two. So Leah's made Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, I'm happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher, which means happy. She's happy now. It's six to two. No one is stopping and saying, now we have Billa, Zilpah, Leah, Rachel. Jacob with these four, and they're just competing against each other. To have these children. Well, it gets even worse. Okay. Verse 14. Now Reuben, this is the oldest, went out in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. She said to her, is it a small matter that you would have taken away my husband? Would you also take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went up to him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. Okay, that's just weird. So Reuben's out, finds these mandrakes. These mandrakes are actually called, how's this? Love apples. That's what they're called. 
they thought they were an aphrodisiac or fertility fruit, and they still think that. So Reuben, who, how old is Reuben at this time? How many were we up to? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're up to eight kids. Reuben, 10, 12, early teens? Hey, Mom, I found some mandrakes. Aunt Rachel oversees them. I want your mandrakes. So then they have this conversation. Leah basically says, you took my husband, now you're going to take my kid's fruit? So Rachel said, let's work out a deal. Leah says, fine, I want Jacob tonight. She says, deal, we trade fruit for Jacob. Why did Rachel want fruit? Because once again, back during that time, they thought it was an aphrodisiac or fertility fruit. So Rachel says, I'll eat these mandrakes and I can start having kids. So then to make it even more interesting, verse 16, Jacob's coming in from a tough day at work. Leah meets him at the field, says, hey, I have you tonight. I hired you. So this is not Jacob with his four wives. This is Jacob as this piece of meat. He lay with her that night. Don't think too much of it because verse 16, Jacob did it. Verse 17, and God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I've given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Ishakar. Ishakar means reward or recompense or wages. Imagine poor Ishakar. How'd you get your name? Well, my aunt wanted fruit from my mom, and so they traded dad for fruit. This is, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And we look at this, and we laugh, and we mock, but I'm going to be honest with you right now, and I don't mean this at all judgmentally, I, I think of family situations I know not right now, and I don't mean my family, but family situations that we've been involved with as a church, and I stop, and I get off the phone, and I'm like, this is the craziest conversation I've ever had in my life. The things that's going on behind closed doors, the things that's happening, that these, these people stop and think. And, and I'm not talking, and I mean this sincerely, don't think I'm making jokes. I'm not saying situations out here at church. I'm saying the situations that we as a church get involved with. We get in a lot, in a lot of community situations where the, somebody from the community doesn't know what to do, so they call us up out of the blue and say, here's the story, fix it. You can't fix it right now. It should have been fixed six years ago. But we can try to help patch it, but really what it comes down to is Jesus. And I guess what I just want to say is this. Be careful. There are certain personalities that get sucked into drama. And what happens is they live off this, they thrive off this, and it really doesn't do any good. I've really, these last couple months, really been praying about things. Can you go with me to Proverbs, please? Proverbs 24. I've been praying about some stuff the last couple months. And I thought about this, some of these conversations I have with some of these fringe people in the community. They don't come out to church, but they call us regularly. And I stop and I think, what, am I really doing anything for them? We have these long conversations on the phone. We get together, we meet, but there's no spiritual growth in any way whatsoever. And I stop and I realize, I, I don't know if they really want to change. I don't know that. So therefore, I have people that want to change. I have people that desire to go deeper in the walk with the Lord. I, I'm going to spend time with that. It's like a farmer saying, I got a great 50 acre field out here. Just, it's a sand field, great field. It's the perfect weather, it's the perfect time to plant, and I'm going to have a bumper crop. So I got 50 acres of land that's great. Now, over here, I got 50 acres of land, and it's stony, it's half concrete slash clay slash a mess full of weeds. I'm going to spend all my time and energy planting in that weedy, concreted mess. That makes no sense. This soil is ready. If you have friends and relationships, and I'm just going to be blunt with you, if you have friends and relationships that is so full of drama and craziness, 
you really need to stop sometimes and stop and think, how much time should I invest in this? Now, you may stop there and say, well, that's not very Christ-like. Actually, I think it is very Christ-like. Go read the Gospels. Jesus did not waste his time with situations and areas where they were not interested in having a relationship with Christ. He put his time and energy into relationships and situations where they wanted to know about him. That is not unloving. That is not unkind. That is being a wise steward of the time that God has given you. Look here at Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. This verse really hit me here recently. And I was sharing this with some guys earlier because I thought, what an amazing verse. And and, and I was trying to say, as men, as leaders, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Verse 3, I want my house to have wisdom. I want my house to have understanding. I want my house to have knowledge. And I feel as the spiritual leader of my home, it's my responsibility to say, is this wisdom, is this understanding, is this knowledge, this is what we want to grow in. I look at the situation here that's happening now in Genesis 29 and 30. I don't see any wisdom. I don't see any understanding. I don't see any knowledge in any way whatsoever. I see a whole lot of flesh. And it's a mess. A mess. Because what's going to happen here in a few chapters, very tragically, Dinah, the sister of the boys... She gets raped, and she's kind of held hostage, if you will. So Simeon and Levi go and basically take out the whole town. Then a little bit later on down the road, they can't stand Joseph, so they throw Joseph in a pit, and they sell him as a slave, and that happens. And you just see this fleshly mess. There's no unity. There's no strength. There's no nothing. you got kids from four different gals living together. Jacob is traded like a piece of meat. Leah and Rachel are having this competition against each other. And Zilpah and Billa are just kind of thrown in the middle and basically said, Hey, go sleep with him so that way I can get another kid. This is God? This is not God in any way whatsoever. This is not a house built on wisdom. This is not a house built on understanding. This is not a house built on knowledge. This is a house built on flesh. The same stuff still happens today. And to be quite honest, we sit here and wonder, why is their world falling apart? Because they're not basing their world on the system of biblical moral principles that work. And then they call us and say, clean up the mess. Boy, no Jesus. That will help clean up the mess. So, back to this. we got a couple more guys here we need to talk about. So we have wages, verse 18, Ishakar. What happens next? Verse 19, Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. She called his name Zebulon. Zebulon means exalted. Leah still thinks, I'm up, if you want to keep score, I'm up eight to two. He's got to want to be with me. Or actually six to nothing if you want to go actual kids here. Verse 21, afterward she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Verse 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She called her name, his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Now, we don't know for sure what it says right here in verse 22. God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. We don't want to add too much to the Bible because you don't know. Did, did Rachel have a change of heart here? Did she stop and say, okay, this isn't working, Lord, this has to come through you? I'm in an optimistic mood tonight, so I'm going to say that's what I hope she was doing. We don't know. It would be great if Rachel stopped and said, this competition thing is silly, this doesn't work, this is not of the Lord. And maybe she prayed and said, Lord, please do this. I don't know. But Joseph is born. 
Joseph obviously becomes a very important part here in a little bit. So God has taken away my reproach because Joseph means Jehovah has added. Now, we don't get to Benjamin in this chapter. Benjamin doesn't happen for a couple chapters, but I wanted to put him in there because if you like cheat sheets and you like to keep things in your Bible, I want you to have the complete set. Here's all 12. That happens, if you will. But as we end our section here, because verse 25 changes scenes, as we do our quick study here in Genesis 29 and Genesis 30, let's just go over the facts again. This is going over a span of probably up to maybe 14, 15, maybe pushing 20 years. Four different women involved. We have 11 different children. I shouldn't say 11 different children. We have 12 different children if you include Dinah, but 11 different boys. We have a lot of flesh of Leah is so desperate for Jacob, she's willing to do anything. We have Rachel who's upset at Leah. We have Zilpah and Billah just kind of thrown in there in the middle. And then we also have Leah and Rachel trading fruit for husbands. It's a mess. It is an absolute mess. This is what I want to finish with. Can you go with me to Joshua, please? Joshua 24. We mentioned in Proverbs 24, there is no wisdom, there's no knowledge, there's no understanding. You know, a lot of times when people come in and talk to me and their life is kind of a mess, I usually stop and ask them, how are things going spiritually? Usually not real good. Because when we get ourselves off track spiritually, that's when things fall apart. This situation here tonight, this isn't going good. They're not on track. Joshua 24. Verse 15, very famous verse. I'm sure many of you know it. A lot of you probably have it hanging up in your house somewhere. Joshua 24, verse 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Here's the key. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a simple verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision you make. Men, tonight, if you're here and you're married... You have a decision to make. Will you decide that you and your house will serve the Lord? Ladies, tonight, in your house, you have to make that decision. Are we going to serve the Lord? If you're single tonight, you have to make a decision. Your household, even as a single person, are you going to serve the Lord? These are decisions that you have to make. I will tell you right now, and you know this from experience, life will do everything it can to keep you from being on track with the Lord. It will throw everything at you. Good, bad, and I usually say good, bad, and ugly, but good and bad. Good things can take you off track for the Lord. They really can. And I'm going to use, I'll use me as an example. I tell you, I love this place. Absolutely love this place. I love this place so much that I could spend every hour I have talking to people, texting people, preparing messages, and I will thoroughly enjoy it. Problem is, I have a wife and five kids. I can do good at harvest and screw up everything in the urban household. And you may, I have to realize that. That good, I deem good, the Lord may be saying, you know what? No, the good right now is your wife and your children. I've seen a lot of people doing a lot of good things that comes back and bites them. And then they stop and they say, but this is a good thing. This is helping people. It is. But what is your primary ministry? What is your primary calling? If you're married, it's your spouse. And after your spouse, it's your kids. That's what we got to remember. So just be careful. Just stop and ask yourself, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you doing that? Be it single, be it married, be it individual, I don't know. Are you doing that? Obviously, looking at Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Billa and Zilpah, they weren't. And it comes back to bite them later on. But we got to stop. It's a little bit after 8. There's a lot of kids in the back that are waiting for their parents. So, anybody have any quick questions, comments, or about anything we covered here tonight before we're going? Ryan.
Yeah, I think she's only mentioned because she's a key character coming up in a couple of chapters. I think it's a foreshadowing of what's to come because the Bible does mention he does have more daughters. So I think it's just a name plant there to remind you in a couple of chapters Dinah's going to be very important. So there's a chance that it's unwritten that between, say, Reuben and Simeon, there was a daughter. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. And, you know, and that's that aspect here of the reason the 12 guys are the main focus of them is because they're the ones that become the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's the main reason they're mentioned. But yeah, I think it's a foreshadowing of what's coming there with Dinah in a couple chapters. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, good to be here tonight. Thankful for the time to be here tonight. Lord, help us to serve you in our household, whatever area of life we're in, be it single or married or what have you. Just we want to serve you. Lord, in this world we live in, when we are brought in to some of this craziness, Lord, help us to stop and say, how can I minister to them for you? But Lord, also sometimes realize maybe the best thing we can do is just step back and pray. Lord, we want to love you, we want to serve you, and we want to serve the people you have called us at that time. Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless.